if you grab your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Proverbs, a brand new teaching series. I always get so excited, as I mentioned in prayer, uh, to, to start a new book of the Bible, and Proverbs has been on my list for some time. And I just thought, hey, let's do this. We haven't been in the Old Testament for a while, and uh, the book of Proverbs has, has, is just always so practical and, and good to get into. But we've all heard the saying, live and learn, right? Um, all of us have been in a situation in which perhaps we've said that to someone or someone has said that to us, live and learn, kid, right? I, I remember the first time someone ever used that expression towards me, and I remember the first time I ever used it on someone else. The first time someone used that expression on me was when I was, or both happened within the same week, actually, when I was about 12 or 13 years old. I, I wanted to go to the city pool. It was called Rainbow Beach there in Vincennes, where I'm from. And uh, I didn't have my bike. I had left my bike at my grandma's house, but I didn't want to walk the three miles to Rainbow Beach. I wanted to take a bike there. So I took my brother's bike, and he just got a brand new bike. He'd had it for about two weeks. And I got on his bike, unbeknownst to him, <laughs> and rode the three miles and went to the city pool. And when I got there, I, I realized, oh no, I forgot the bike lock. And so I thought, oh, I live in a small town. I can just put it with all the other bikes at the bike rack. No one's going to steal this bike. There's nothing but good people here. Uh, how naive. I went swimming there for a few hours, and I came back out. And sure enough, his brand new bike which was like $314, he told, he's reminded me so many times. He still brings it up from time to time. I should get him a bike for Christmas this year. But he, he's still mad about it, but it was gone. I remember going to the head lifeguard, and I said, my bike is stolen, what can I do? And, and she, just, she just laughed at me, said, live and learn, kid. You didn't lock it up, you're going to get your bike stolen. And I was like, ah, man, that, that, that didn't feel good. But yeah, you're right, I guess live and learn, don't do that again. Well, I got an opportunity later that week to use it on somebody else. I, I uh, was on my bike again because it wasn't stolen. <laughs> and I was out in the country with some of my friends uh, where there was a bunch of four-wheeler and dirt bike and mountain bike trails. It was a place called Lucky Point. Uh, it wasn't called Lucky Point because of the bike trails. <laughs> I'll let you do the math there. But we were there to ride our bikes. <laughs> and so we were on the trails and things, and there was this one specific ditch and it, it went straight down and then straight up, and it was a popular ramp. You'd have to be a fool to go on this ramp. And I just remember looking at it, my friends and I, it's a, it was a notorious place where people got hurt, and so I was like, you'd have to be an idiot to try that. And about the time I'm thinking this, my friend looks at me and he says, you think I should try that? And of course I'm like, yeah, you should definitely try that. And so we, we pep talk him for like 10, 15 minutes. He's unsure of himself. And we're like, no, man, do it. This will be the coolest thing you've ever done in your life. And, like, and so we're just building him up and building him up. And he finally got the courage to go down this into this ditch-like ramp. And he goes, he's pedaling on the way down like a, like a fool. And he comes back up the other side. And it was, it was majestic. I mean, he was up in the air. And, and there was this like E.T. moment for a millisecond there where he's just floating in the air. And then the whole bike turns and faces down towards the ground. And he, he actually, I mean, he bent the, the snot out of his front tire. And then does a face plant into an old log that was there. And we're like, is he in pieces now? Is he dead? Let's go check on him. You know, we run over there. And, and, and as I pulled him off the log, 
His eye is already swelling shut. There's bark in his face. I'm picking the bark out of his face. And he's crying and things like that. And we're just relieved that he's uh, still breathing. And he, he looks at us and he's like, I should have never listened to you guys. Live and learn, kid. <laughs> it felt a lot better saying it to someone else than receiving that. But, you know, we've, we've all learned things the hard way. I don't, I don't care how much life you have under your belt, right? We've all learned things the hard way. And some of you only learn things the hard way, right? Uh, you know, we've had those moments in, in which we, we knew something was wrong, but we just went for it anyway, and we learned a lesson the hard way. We we were warned about that relationship, but we just had a feeling, and we learned something the hard way. We took a risk, and we learned the hard way. You know, against your better judgment, you, you YOLO'd and, and tried something that uh, you knew was a bad idea, and it didn't pan out. But, you know, lear- learning the hard way it is something that we're all going to do, and there's value in it, right? There's merit in learning lessons the hard way. It, it's just that it's an expensive way to obtain wisdom, right? It's, an, it, it's, it's a tremendous way to, to get a lot of w- uh, wisdom in your life, but it's an expensive way to obtain it. There are cheaper ways to become wise, right? I mean, sometimes the, the lessons we learn the hard way, I mean, many of you have those, you know, a top 10 list probably in your head right now of lessons you've learned the hard way. Sometimes it costs you friendships. It costs you a marriage. It can cost you your career, a lot of time, maybe the prime of your life, your health, your money, whatever it may be. But there are much more cost-effective ways to obtain wisdom, and the Bible is one of those ways. We have such a tremendous gift, a tool to be utilized, the Word of God to instruct us and to equip us that the, that the man of God may be complete is as it says in 2 Timothy there. There's a ton of information to learn from. We learn about the redemptive history of God's people. We learn about the law. We learn about the gospel. We, we, we learn a lot of instruction when it comes to, to morality and things like that. And a, a ton of day-to-day wisdom is also there as well. And it's, it's, it's a low-cost way to obtain it. It's spirit-led prayerful reading of God's word. It's going to cost you some time. But man, it can save you so much in other areas of of life. And Proverbs is really, really unique. It's unique in the sense that it focuses on that that practical wisdom. Sometimes we've gone through sermon series where they are, uh, the information is anything but practical, right? And you have to think really hard. I think Hebrews was one of those. It was, it was a lot of doctrine and teaching and and this is a book of the Bible that has a different feel to it. It's, it's a lot of just practical, day-to-day wisdom. This is a book of the Bible that says, don't, don't live and learn, right? Don't, don't learn things the hard way. Instead, the, the book of Proverbs says, learn and then live. Save yourself a lot of struggle. And so we have such a great opportunity in this season of teaching. And we're going we're gonna to study it all summer and into the fall. And we're just going to take the first seven verses of chapter one today. And it can be broken into three parts. The first verse just tells us who wrote this book, one of the authors. And it also tells us how this book communicates this wisdom to us. And then the second part is verses two through six. We're going to read it. And it's going to tell us about the goal and the purpose of this book. And then verse seven, ooh, it is lesson number one. 
in the School of Wisdom in Proverbs. Lesson number one, if you had to condense the entire book of Proverbs into one drop, it would be chapter one, verse seven. And we're going to get to that as well. So let's just start by reading verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. That was quick. (laughs) This book was written by Solomon. There are other authors and things that we'll get to later in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Son of David here. And, And he uses Proverbs to communicate and teach wisdom to us. Sayings. That's what a proverb is. We love sayings. You know, two wrongs don't make a right. right. Better late than never. The pen is mightier than the sword. The early bird catches the worm. We could go on and on and on. We love sayings because they summarize uh, things that are generally true and, and they can be really helpful for such a wide array of scenarios. Every one of those sayings that we have, my phone is weighing down my shirt here, but the, 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 the sayings that we use in our culture can be used in such a wider array of scenarios that they're handy, Right? We have one saying that we can use in like 50 different contexts. And that's, that's kind of how this, this book of Proverbs can work. And so scripture, when, you, when you're studying through scripture, it is black and white on so many things. I mean, this is wrong and this is right. Do this, don't do that. This is truth and this, this right here is false. And so, so it's black and white on so many issues. But when you're, when you're living your life, life doesn't feel that black and white, right? It doesn't feel that black and white all the time, but scripture has teaching for the gray times too. And Proverbs, I think is a great example of that. It's helpful in a lot of the gray areas that you're just not sure what to do. There's no clear path. And so you you have to utilize God-given wisdom to navigate through that scenario. I I remember specifically in in the first couple of years of launching the journey, I had a few people who, who would ambush me with either emails or texts or things uh, about the Christian faith. And it still happens from time to time. But I remember one uh, scenario in particular where this, this guy was relentless. I mean, relentless. Like, I don't know if he did anything with his life other than sit down at a computer and, e- and email me. And, and just he just wanted to trash the, the Christian faith. He just wanted to throw us all under the bus. And, and so I'm trying to discern, like, how do I engage this guy? And it seemed like the more I tried to engage him, like, the, he just got more unpleasant as time went on. And, and, and I would return one email, and by the time I'd get done returning one email, I had, I had three more. He was so arrogant. I mean, he, he was just a bigot. And he, he was just rude. And he was, he was so unpleasant and, and he was so ignorant of what the Bible actually taught. And so you ever get in one of those conversations or one of those interactions with someone where someone is just building off false stereotypes so much that it's hard to even know where to start when you engage them. And, and, the, and he was obviously on, the, on offense constantly. And I was like, how, how much do I even engage this guy? Like, is it worth my time? Is it worth his time? And and it was really starting to aggravate me. And I remember a proverb that helped in that scenario. You know, the the Bible doesn't have a verse that says, when you get emailed by a jerk, here's what you do. Now, there's not a verse like that, but we do have Proverbs. And Proverbs 26 verse 4 says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. I remember meditating on that. Well, that's a helpful verse. 
kind of slowed me down a little bit. You know, it took, took the edge off. Oh, okay, you know, don't, don't, you know. Oh, there's another saying there. My filter caught one. I'm not going to let that one out. But you, you have to use discernment. You have to discernment uh, in engaging that, that guy. And, and, I, and the more I thought about it, though, it was hard because it was one of those gray areas. Like, is it wise or not to engage him? And I, I was thinking, like, I don't want to come across weak. I don't want to come across as one that doesn't really know what he believes. I don't want to come across as somebody who, um, or, or I didn't want to miss an opportunity to actually educate him on what the Bible actually taught so maybe I could reach out to him and I, I was it was I was still wrestling with it but it's interesting the very next verse in Proverbs 26 goes from verse 4 it says answer not a fool according to his folly when you read the very next verse it says this answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own eyes uh, well wait a second do I answer the fool or do I not answer the fool which is it is this a contradictory statement here in, in Scripture? Or is it teaching on the gray area? It's wisdom. It's gray wisdom, right? Because we know that every situation isn't black and white. Sometimes there's a time to engage the fool. And sometimes there, it's, it's not a time to engage. And so what, what the book of Proverbs is encouraging there is, is wisdom. You know, timing is everything. How you say something matters. Build some strategy before you just jump in. It's, it's, it's encouraging that wisdom. And so that's just, that's just one practical example of how, how great this book is. And it's equipping us to, to deal wisely in the world and, and helping us to understand how the world typically works. So much experience being taught to us here. So let's, let's get to that second part. Here's the goal and the purpose of the book, verses 2 through 6. This is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. So, something we all need to understand is that none of us in here is born wise. I think the more time that goes on, the fewer people are willing to believe that, especially now that we live in the information age, right? All the answers are always at our fingertips, or what we think are the answers, at least, what someone is telling us the answers are. But, like, I, I don't have statistics to prove it, but know-it-alls are on the rise. Man. Know-it-alls take information. It's not about receiving instruction. They take that teaching. And know-it-alls, they like to take information so they can manipulate it or use it in some way to their advantage or, or be able to regurgitate it in some way to be able to appear as more knowledgeable than what they really are. And today, that's a piece of cake to do, right? We can, we can, we can Google anything or whatever the search engine is of your choice. Uh, what is the one duck duck go or whatever that you, doesn't try? I don't know. But th there's uh, there's all these different search engines that we can utilize in order to obtain information instantly, and we can read that blog or read that journal or whatever it may be, uh, and and then immediately appear as though we know it all. 
But the, the instruction that we're receiving in, in, in Proverbs here is, you know, it, it wants to put us in a different posture, a posture of humility and submission. It talks about receiving instruction, not just taking the information, but receiving instruction. We approach the book of Proverbs ready to learn, ready to be schooled. And so sometimes I think we look at the book of Proverbs as this opportunity to kind of rummage around uh, looking for information and, and, we, and decide what we can take and leave, you know. Oh, let me, let, give me a good one-liner, Proverbs. I want to feel smart today. I want to be wise. And so we rummage around and we kind of look around Proverbs like it's a flea market or something like that. And, and when you do that, you're not in a mindset of receiving instruction. You're in a mindset of being a know-it-all. You're in a mindset of taking it. And so if, if you're going through the book of Proverbs, deciding what to take and what to leave and what's good and what's not worth your time, if you kind of have that attitude, you're not humbling yourself. You're not there to receive instruction. You're not there to be teachable. You know, one, one uh, quote I read this week in one of the authors I was uh, reading in, in commentary, he said, we make progress in wisdom to the extent that we are teachable. Are you teachable? When we're opening up the book of Proverbs, are we ready to be taught by it? Are we ready to receive that instruction? I think this is so important for us to have with any book of the Bible that we open up as believers. Right? We want to be, we want to be in the right frame of mind that says there is a value here even when I can't see it. Sometimes we read something and we don't see the value so we think it's not valuable. But that's not the case with the Bible. We can read something in the Bible, and just because we don't see the value or understand it, that doesn't take away from the value of it at all. It just means that you don't get it. And so we need to, there will be moments like that when we read Proverbs that sometimes seem contradictory at first, like the one we just read in Proverbs 26. But we're going into this book to humble ourselves beneath it. And so, so we come in here with our understanding of righteousness and our understanding of justice, in our understanding of equity or fairness with wise dealings. But when we go in and read the book of Proverbs, we have to go with the attitude that says, this book's understanding of righteousness, justice, fairness, and wise dealings, it is, it's superior to mine. I am, my understanding of these things are, are inferior, and I'm here, I'm here to become uh, wiser. I'm here to be instructed by this teaching, to, be imp- to, to improve when it comes to the category of wisdom, not to evaluate the wisdom. We're here to receive instruction. We're also told in those verses, in verses 2 through 6, that this is for the old and the young. So it's, it's knowledge and discretion for the youth or for the young man, depending on what translation you're reading right now. So if you are young, if you're a student in here, This is a particularly good opportunity for you to become wise. This is such a special opportunity opportunity for you to to not have to learn the hard way. You can learn wisdom at a low cost here. It's just time and prayer. You've probably heard so many times someone older than you say, Hey, I got no regrets. That's baloney. We all got regrets. And you will have them too. Student, <laughs> you already got them, right? We all got regrets in here. If we could go back and, and do last year over alone, what, how many things would we do differently, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But if you are young, 
I want to encourage you, especially be ready to receive instruction. That's up to you. I can come up with the most clever sermon. I can be the most dynamic speaker I could possibly be. I could have just the right funny story that week. It wouldn't matter a bit. If you're not ready to receive the instruction from the book of Proverbs, you're not going to gain wisdom in the way that you were intended to gain that wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So if you are old, you decide which category you go in today. See, I was trying to handle that wisely. Uh, If you're old, it says, let the wise increase in learning. So this is a special time for someone who's young to learn wisdom, but it's also a special time for someone who is old to increase in learning. And let me just tell you, the older the saint is, I think the more willing they are to learn. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because they have enough experience to understand that they don't know it all. They're old enough to know that they don't know. I remember that teaching in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is also a piece of wisdom literature, where where Solomon's just like basically teaching, I'm finally old enough to know that I don't know. And the more I know, the more I don't know. Like older saints, when they're reading through a book like Proverbs, you'll see them uh, say sometimes like, well, I can tell you that's true. Because they've already learned it the hard way. And then they see it being taught in the book of Proverbs. And and their life experience confirms the truth that is there. But this is for the the older saint to continue to increase in learning. And I can guarantee you, everyone in here with regrets would say to the student, man, learn learn this way, the low-cost way, the inexpensive way to obtain wisdom. You don't want to learn the hard way. Those seasoned veterans, those seasoned Christians, they're ready to learn now because they've made some mistakes. I think this book is trying to help us avoid a lot of those pitfalls. It says, to the young and old, we are, you know, we're coming to Proverbs, to, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Isn't that a unique word? A riddle. Isn't a riddle meant to confuse you? Right? My, my middle son, Emmett, he loves riddles. Anytime he learns a riddle, he wants to lay it on me. And sometimes he makes them up, and then he confuses me even more. But, <laughs> but a riddle, it's a unique word to find in Scripture. You know, sometimes this word, it, it's, it's used like conundrum or a hard saying or a parable. Uh, it's, it's something that's perplexing. If you have the King James Version in your hands right now, you're reading dark sayings instead of riddles. Like dark, it almost sounds evil when you read it because we're reading it through our cultural lens there, but when it says dark sayings, it's just, you can't see all the, it's confusing. It's a conundrum. It's, it causes you to concentrate. It's dark in there. I can't see everything real clearly. And so these, these proverbs, they provoke thought. You have to concentrate. You have to consider. And perhaps there's no greater place to start that consideration than when, with verse 7. Again, if you could condense the whole book of Proverbs into one drop, it would be verse 7. It is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, that's where it starts. Lesson number one. <laughs> the fear of the Lord. <laughs> Felt like a sensei there for a second. The fear of the Lord. What is the fear? What is the fear of the Lord? Is that, is that strange? Is that like, oh no, God's going to get me? Is that like, is this saying, the fear of the Lord, be scared of God? Well, again, we're, we're kind of, 
we, we filter things through our cultural understanding of things. And so it's helpful to go into the Bible to help uh, to, to get a better idea of how these phrases were understood when they were written and things like that. Because when we see the fear of the Lord, uh, we think of being scared of God. Well, now there is an aspect of being in, 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 or being in a posture of fear before the Lord. Like in the same way when, a, when lightning strikes, it's terrifying, it's powerful, we respect it. There is that aspect of it. But when we see the fear of the Lord elaborated upon in Scripture, here's what we find. Like Proverbs 15 is a, is a good example of it. It describes the fear of the Lord as an eagerness to please God. It's an eagerness to be open to him and his instruction and humbling yourself under his teaching. He knows more than you. That's what a fear of the Lord is. When you look in Job 28, that's another great place to go to think about the fear of the Lord. It describes the fear of the Lord as a willingness to turn from evil and to change. That's what a fear of the Lord means. In Genesis 22, it's described as surrendering to the will of God. That is a fear of the Lord. Having a fear of the Lord means understanding that you don't judge God. You don't determine if what he is doing is good or bad, right? Having a fear of the Lord means I understand I am not the measure of all things. I am the one being measured. That's what it means to have a fear of the Lord. And so we need to come with a posture of a fear of the Lord. A fool on the other hand, a fool is someone who thinks that they are above the instruction of God. A fool is someone who thinks they're too smart for it. They're too busy for it. But that lesson number one, when it comes to obtaining godly wisdom, it's, it's conceding, it's admitting, it's confessing that I am in desperate need of this instruction. I am going to sit underneath of it. And I am going to, I am going to evaluate myself. Use it to discern my motives, use it to, to know myself and how this world works better because this is the word of God and I am not above it. That's where godly wisdom begins. That's where it starts. If we're not in that posture, we're just rummaging around for information to be a know-it-all. So if you have the wrong trajectory when you go into the word of God, you're going to end way off course. And, and, and so... I think it's important to stop and to contemplate that posture as we begin any book of the Bible, but especially this one, because if we have the wrong trajectory here, uh, we're, we're really just kind of twiddling our thumbs or, or wasting our time. If you're struggling to humble yourself before the teaching of God's word, to, to humble yourself before the word of God, you're not alone. It's always going to be a struggle for every one of us here. Because inside of each one of us is that fool. I believe each one of us has that fool in the back of our minds that thinks, you know what, I see what you're saying, Pastor, but I kind of think I, I got God pretty figured out, and so I might size him up a little bit as I go, right? We, we still get that fool in the back of our heads that says, well, this is nice. Yeah, it's a book of the Bible, but I, I do think I know better because I do have some life experience and I feel like I got a pretty good idea how the world works already, so I'll see if this has value as I go along. And we just can't completely sell out whenever we jump into a book of the Bible and we have that posture. Well, I would point you to the cross. If you're having trouble humbling yourself before the Word of God, I would point you to Christ who died for fools like you and I. He died because He loves you, 
He died because he wanted to redeem you. A part of you may think you are above him, but he went to the cross to humble himself before the Lord and die for you. He wants you to live differently. He wants you to obtain wisdom through the gospel, through his gospel. There might be a part of you that kind of despises the whole church experience or, or scripture or Jesus, but he does not despise you. He loves you. And so we want to we take that heart, we want to take that gospel message in our hearts and minds to, to tell the fool to take a seat in there, right? Take a seat. He's going to be there, and, and we're, we're, put, we're taking off the old, putting on the new, and, and our old self isn't completely dead yet, as we talked about through the fruit of the Spirit. But this is the time that when we humble ourselves before the word of the God, we, we use the gospel to say to that side of ourselves, no, you don't know better. Yes, you do need this. No, I am not above God. No, I don't know it all. I'm here to get better in the realm of wisdom. And if that is your heart and the posture of your heart is focused on the gospel, it will save your soul and it will make you wise. So let's pray. Lord, again, we are humbled and so grateful to be able to sit under your word. The book of Proverbs is a special opportunity for us. As I contemplate uh, studying this book, I think about all of the students we have here at The Journey and what an opportunity that we have to help them gain wisdom. Lord, I just pray that for every student that's here, Lord, they would come to church with a posture of, of, of a, a willingness to receive instruction from your word. And Lord, I pray for the older saint that has been full of regret and that has made a tremendous amount of mistakes. Lord, I pray that they would increase in learning. And I pray that you would use those seasoned veterans of the faith to encourage the younger, that we could be a church family that is promoting one another's wisdom. Lord, I pray that the younger believer here, Lord, would also utilize the wisdom of the older saints here, Lord, that we could be a church that understands we're, we're ready to learn and we can learn from anyone. So, Lord, I just pray a special blessing on this time together. May we honor you well with this time of communion as we uh, wind down our, our service. In Jesus' name, amen.